Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now, time podcast i'm ryan and i am brad a little different friday night i mean yeah this not is not our usual wednesday ever since we started this this is the longest gap i think between between shows yeah we'll recover we will financially recover from this <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, i'm gonna feel a little rusty you know the serial killer thing we were firing off to a week man we like were we were getting uh, yeah we were decent, starting out top of our shit had a little bit of a rhythm and it's been a little rocky at some point in time we have to get back to the zombie mountain we have to that's our home it is now it's our home <laughs> absolutely it is that is where we uh we were birthed into this world that's of right. uh podcast right. um glory so no dick and dayton tonight at least not literally because he is he's in a satellite location in Dayton. We're still trying to figure out who Dayton is. Probably some rather handsome young man, <laughs> I'd imagine. But So, we're going to do a Poor Brothers tonight, right? Poor Brothers, Poor House. Son. Poor House, Poor Brothers. Oh, that's the bar, right? What's uh, that? Poor Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, a little Poor House segment. Poor House. This is a, this is a podcast I actually found on Twitter. I came across them, so that's awesome. Uh, and like I said, from time to time, I thought it would be cool to just pick out a random podcast. Obviously, I'm not sure this podcast maybe necessarily falls into our genre, or you know, I don't know that we have a genre. No, probably not. Uh, random, maybe. But you know, regardless of uh, whatever genre they do fall into. You know, they're doing the same things we're doing, you know, trying to put out some sort of content that people enjoy, and I figured it'd be cool to highlight them, so. No, I agree. I think I'm a fan of, like you said, people like us that are just, you know, trying to put together a podcast, talking about something they're interested in or what they think other people might be interested in, and uh, mostly, I mean, most of the people that are doing what we're doing are doing it because they enjoy it. Right. Um which Maybe is just the uh, best way. Shed a little light on these people. So the Poorhouse segment for tonight is the Derek Duvall Show. Okay, they're available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Good Pods. Also feel free to follow the Derek Duvall Show on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also we have a little promo from the Derek Duvall Show that we're going to play for you right now. Hit it, pal. Your dog is cute, your kids are adorable, and your cat really does look good in that tutu. But there's only so many times you can talk about how cool velociraptors are, or how much you want to rub, 
that fuzzy belly. How about a podcast with extraordinary people and scintillating conversation? It's the Derek Duvall Show. Find it at DerekDuvallShow.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And no, I will not be attending your cat's quinceanera. Well, it's very unfortunate for you, Derek, but I will be attempting to rub that fuzzy belly, so. <laughs> will he be attending your cat's quinceanera? If he wants to stay on my friends list, he better. <laughs> all right. So that's awesome. So definitely uh, take some time to check out Derek's show. Uh, we just listed off all the places you could find it. Basically anywhere podcasts are offered. So, Yeah, and I, I really feel like that uh, that promo doesn't capture how great a host Derek Duvall really is. So definitely check it out. Let us Let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. So five for five. We didn't really have anything specifically planned, mostly because this is sort of something I'm supposed to come up with, and I'm the most indecisive human being on the earth. Um, the funny part is the one you threw at me this morning, okay, after all these years, all the disagreements, I really, other than the Crocs one, which just popped into my mind immediately for some reason, I was struggling. So what What I say exactly, it was uh, we were going to, list off each other like what i think your top five most um outrageous outrageous or ridiculous opinions or beliefs are and vice versa correct the tough part is i feel like just an off-the-cuff conversation i could probably rattle off a few of these types of things but when i sit down and think about it like you said because a lot of them are real small things they're not like these big broad right but it's just something that irks the fuck out of you and you know especially if we're going to leave um wrestling out of this <laughs> leave wrestling out that's, of this <laughs> that's i i would imagine that's where most of our disagreements were um maybe and just on random things yeah no that's true Set, it was good setup for a high crotch yeah, it was one of those uh same destination different route type of things no yeah, we're all going to the same place so all right so Five for five. Where, where are we going? I think we're going to do, and I wish I we didn't pick this last minute, but I think it's a good one regardless, and that is top five pizza places. You going or am I going? What are we doing I here? feel like you are probably more prepared to fire from the hip on this than I am. So you go ahead. I'm stumped. Um, Dick and Dayton will be proud because you'll, you'll go ahead, and then I'll just copy uh, your list, and we'll move on. Okay. Number five, I told you it was going to be on there. CC's pizza and not necessarily CC's okay any buffet style pizza place I'm a huge fan of because you give me five or six different options if three out of the five are shit I've got two pizzas I can get down on so I'm going CC's number five and so, it's not a quality thing like I said it's a variety, value value of life that's right? right is this are we doing does this have to be like a chain, something that's readily, well, not readily, no, but no. I mean, or this Definitely could be not. anything. Anything. Because, I mean, I bet you half of mine is going to be, you got to be within our. Don't you even dare bring up that damn peel place <laughs> just because you live close to it. Go on. Number four, Larry's Driftwood. Love it. Compared to uh, Davis Brothers, 
I see why they got a divorce. <laughs> Driftwood, well worth the money. What's the difference, in your opinion? Um, Same ingredients, right? Yeah. Allegedly. You get, you get that Davis Brothers one. That thing is fucking covered in flour. The bottom, the top, disgusting. I can tell you this much. Tastes like it was cooked last night. The, the culinary experts at Larry's Driftwood smoke way more marijuana that's why than, i love them. than whoever they is, know what good pizza is whoever's tossing like. dough down the street at uh Touché. davis Bridge. i don't know what the fuck they're smoking there but <laughs> it is not made with love definitely not um number three number three i'm going emo's pizza st louis right that's right or st louis style pizza we used yeah. to have one here in town it moved away a long time okay. ago. Okay. I wish it'd come back. I've never had. Delicious. Like a sweeter sauce. I usually get the beef and onion green pepper. Delish. Okay. Um, number two. I think we're going up north for number two. We're going Geno's East. Ooh. Deep curveball. I did not think that's where you were going. Deep dish. Pretty good. Um the one complaint I would have with Geno's, and the same with most Chicago-style places, when you get a sausage and cheese or deluxe, whatever the case may be, the chunks of sausage in there, if you do not chew them, they will kill you. They're legit whole sausages in there. They don't believe in grinding that shit out. Are we talking like the sliced like sausage? an Italian sausage? Just Gee, God, I, that's my not least, a big fan. least favorite type of sausage. Seriously, I can't. Yeah, I'm the little fennel seeds. You catch one of them, ruin your whole day. No, that's I can't do that's that. basically what makes it Italian. Are those the shitty seed, little okay. seeds? So you're talking though. This was at one point in time a link in the casing, and they just chopped it up into correct yes pieces. Yes, but yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's that's not great about well, that. Well, I mean, their pizza is delicious. I so. should say. It's more of a flavor thing for me. Like I, I'm sure it tastes good, and I could probably deal with that. What I don't like is the, uh, and my wife likes to make this for dinner, on occasion like a sausage and cabbage, or like it's almost like a kielbasa or whatever, you know, oh, yeah. sliced and like it, I don't know. It's just deal. I, I just don't like it, man. I, it's like a hot dog on steroids to me. Uh, we ate a bunch of that shit when I was a kid. I'm not sold on it anymore. No, but I do love a good brat. Yes, I would agree. Uh, number one, also up north, and that is... Did we skip number two? No, number two was Gino's. Oh, okay, gotcha. Number one, Lou Malinati's. Lou Malinati's. I don't, you know, I don't, that's another Chicago no, one, right? Or, right, and I don't go deep dish, and you do the Lou special, okay? The first time I went there, we are in Naperville, and I just asked the lady, never been here. I've heard of it. Everybody tells me this place is delicious. What would you recommend? What, what do nine out of 10 people come in here and order? She's like, you want the loose special. So I'm looking on the menu. And I just immediately say, okay, give me one large loose special. Other person orders, she walks away. So I'm looking at the menu. And the loose special is fresh mozzarella. Basil leaves, sun-dried tomatoes, and olive oil. Not something 
No. I would order. Not in your wheelhouse. When that fucking thing showed up to the table, though, my eyes, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love. I love pizza. I could eat pizza every day. I could, too. I say that all the time. My wife, not a pizza fan. I'm like, I could Ridiculous. literally eat pizza. I mean, she she doesn't dislike it, but she's like, like it's know? never her go-to. She's never like, let's get pizza tonight. No, she's like, I mean, I... Do you know how many more women there are are out there to marry? <laughs> Seriously, you don't need that kind of negativity. I love pizza, but so so for basically a vegetarian pizza to show up to my table, it was the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. Like wood fired, you know, crust. Oh god, it was good. If if Barstool was reviewing this pizza, it better be a fucking eight and a half, nine out of ten. I'm going to have a hard time with this. Uh, all of mine. Honorable mention, cheese nuts. I won't go. Although I'm not a huge fan. I, I love I, the pizza. I will not go just because of it's delicious. that fucking weirdo, man. I know. I it is what it cannot is. cannot get over it. Good. Hey, They were serving cheese nuts at the strip club two weeks ago. What? At the Dixie Rose. Get her, Get her by the slice. So hold on, wait. We'll what? pull behind wagon. Get your little ass on What's the satellite. Get your little pizza out on the street. I'm old now. What what is this Dixie Rose? What downtown we ain't been, son. We okay. need to. <laughs> One time. You gotta move in. Just like Toby Keith. You're as good once as you, you ever were. That's right. Um top five, pal. Number five. I'm gonna put oh, man. I'm gonna put uh there's a little place. It's called Sicily. It is uh, it's in Washburn. Real Sicilians, legit, like old like grandpa and everybody, cash only, the whole deal. Um, I've, delicious. I felt like for a second you were going to stereotype these people. No, um, absolutely delicious. They have a deep, they have deep dish. They got think they got everything. They got other stuffs really good too, sandwiches and whatnot. Uh, number four. I think I'm going to go with Monocles. I dig Monocles pizza. It's good. I do. I know you grew up next door to Monocles, so you're probably more, a little worn out. The on more Monocles. you build this list, I already have discrepancies with you. So that's what it's for. Uh, number three, I am going to go with Pizza Peel. I knew it was coming. I dig it, man. It's. They got, it's close. It's just good. That's all you have. It, but I'm it's telling close. you, it blows away. The only other option that's right there in town is Casey's, and it blows Casey's out of the water. Not that that's saying much, but there's no, in I the mean, Midwest. Heavyweight champion people, in the gas station pizza. A lot pizza, of people put but, Casey's on a pedestal. Um, we'll circle back to Casey's in a minute. Um, but they've got uh, thin crust. You can get the hand-tossed. Um, you know, they, got a, they call it the kitchen sink. It's a supreme. It's good. they got like a Mediterranean that's got like an olive oil base sauce and got uh, feta meat? cheese got and euro stuff. Meat? No euro meat. Well, what are they doing then? Uh, they got a kicking chicken that's got like a ch- white chili sauce, which is really good. They do an Italian beef pizza. Uh, it's good stuff. Their calzones are good too. All right, listen. I've had it once. I need to have it again. So then, I can make an honest, honest review. It's good pizza. Then number two, I'm going to have to go with... Um, I'll probably go with the driftwood, man. I really like it. It's good pizza. And then number one 
is probably going to be this place is in Henry, and I don't know if you, it's called Italian Villa. And it's, again, real Italians are only open like three, four days a week. Um, no, no fake Italians. The, uh, again, like, you know, grandpa rocking the oven. Then, you know, I don't know if it's his daughter or daughter in law, but she usually works the counter or the window. If he ain't flipping that very pizza friendly with a wood spatula. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whole, yeah. All right, then. That's what we're talking Um Then, uh, yeah, and they got a good, they have a deep dish, uh, Chicago style. It's really good. Um, you can get thin crust. The one thing that curveball on their menu is they serve tacos. Everything else is mostly Italian food. Italian tacos. And they serve tacos. And what what they do is I'm just, they take a flour tortilla, and it's like they dip it in a fryer for just, like, seconds. And so it's it's not – I would not call it necessarily a, a hard shell, a crispy shell taco, but it's literally in between a soft shell. And, I mean, it's nice. I like it. I love tacos, so yeah. – also so I would say that's probably number one. And I feel like, I mean, there's so much good pizza. I, I've only had bad pizza a couple times. That's that's my next question because I have one that comes in mind. And for anybody in the Peoria area, I will never advocate for this fucking place ever. Pizza Works. I don't, man, I haven't the been there for a long time. Pizza you will ever eat in your life. Really? Comes from Pizza Works in Peoria Heights. Are they still open? God, I hope not. I hope COVID killed them. I, uh, we went to Six Flags when I was probably, I probably like fifth grade or somewhere around there. And we stayed in that hotel that's right there on the edge of the parking lot in St. Louis. Eureka? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. It used to be, well, that was like a red roof. Time it was like a Ramada or something. They had the indoor pool, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Well, they had a little pizza joint in there. And that pizza was. The worst pizza I've ever had in my life. We we talk about it at family functions, so it comes up, and we talk about how like everybody agrees. I mean, it was literally like it wasn't it wasn't cooked. I mean, it was like dough. It just like dissolved when you, you tried to pick it up. You know what I miss a little bit? Those silver bullet pizzas. After a couple pictures of beer, <laughs> you throw a little ham and Gosh, onion, green pepper on something. Oh boy! So Casey's, the uh, my beef against Casey's pizza is if you order a full. A whole pizza. It is so damn greasy. And it drives me nuts. It's like it could fall through the box. It's so dense. And then you grab the slice. And they do the thing where they put the toppings under the cheese. And I hate that. Yeah, when you grab take slice, one bite the entire Or even if you try, to, you, you try to pick your slice up out of the box. And the tip of the cheese sticks. And it's just you pull out saucy crust. Yeah. I love saucy crust, though, so. And then, um, but if I ordered a toppings, I'd be pissed. But Barstool, Dave Portnoy did a uh, Casey's review the other day. Did you see it in Iowa? Now, listen, I will tell five, you 5.2. Yeah. Bacon breakfast pizza. Yeah. Their bacon is disgusting. No, I go sausage breakfast Always. pizza if I get it for sure. So, whoever pointed him in that direction, mistake. Oh, my God. See, but what he was saying about that bacon, that circles back. Remember we talked about bacon, and I'm like, unpopular opinion, not crazy about bacon. That's the reason that I'm a little on the no. fence about bacon. Casey's bacon is that salty like bacon. heart attack taste. <laughs> I've told you this before. Do you know what their bacon tastes like? I've told you. I say it all the time. Tastes like Band-Aids. Band-Aids? Like what Band-Aids smell like? How many Band-Aids have you eaten? You'd be surprised, son. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Have you eaten? 
Their <laughs> bacon pizza, they're bacon anything. Disgusting. I don't know where they get that bacon. It ain't from USA fed hogs because I ain't never ate no fucking bacon like that. <laughs> no, I, I I don't care for it either. Um, you know, what's funny, when we went to uh, Gulf Shores one night, uh, the kids were tired. Uh, it was The restaurants all had hour-long waits. We just, just poor planning on our part. So it was like, scramble, find something we can get quick. Would you go Marcos? No, we got fucking Domino's, and it was terrible. Yeah. I hadn't had Domino's in a long time. It was awful. I mean, I'm like, my, I don't, my I don't dad was like, my God. But the other last week or whatever, when you got Domino's or a couple weeks ago. I was at Sammy. Uh, it was all, it was, was and, was and the pizza was really good. So I don't know if it was just Gulf Shores Domino's. Could be. No good. Or, they get that seafood down there, bub. What? But yeah, maybe they make all the chain restaurants extra shitty. So you, uh, we, we ate at a place called Marco's was right. Like, uh, I remember, I think I saw right it. Right on the border of, uh, Gulf Shores and Perito Key. It was pretty legit. I had to wait forever, and the ladies like apologize and apologize. I'm like, I'm half lit. I could care less. Like, pizza's coming. I'm happy. So, and you're not always that guy, though. Sometimes you're. Fuck I'm, this. I'm on vacation. I'm ready to leave, guy. I'm on vacation. There's a million people standing around. You can tell this young girl's like getting ready to pull her hair out. The last thing I'm gonna do while you have my food in your hands is be a dick to you. Right. I want my food in my hands first. And then I'll be a dick to you. See, that's why I didn't get rowdy. At, I don't get my food spit in. I didn't get rowdy in the drive no. the other night. I'm like, hell no, not worth it. And I, I thought about leaving, but I'd already paid, and I wasn't gonna drive off with my thirteen dollar Dr Pepper. You know, I'm like, well, I'll just wait it out. How how long does it take to whip up some McChickens though? Well, that's what's funny. So I got two McDoubles and I got one of them spicy crispy chickens. Okay, to put it all together and make them again. Well, I should have because. By the time I got my food, which I'm literally, I, I bet you in its entirety, was damn near 40 minutes from when I pulled into the drive-thru until my food was many, handed to me. How many cars in front of you? When I pulled up, it, it, I was probably in a line from the food window, to, and it was one of the ones at Forks. I was two back from the speaker, okay? So I don't know how many were ahead. Definitely not 40 Dude, minutes. It was awful. And, I mean, I the longest part was probably after I paid, got my drink, and they had me pull up to spot number one, and then it was... You know, then I'm hook, line, and sinker. You know, I'm not going anywhere. And so I am sitting there getting frustrated, but I'm like, all right, like we talked about, I'm not going to lose my shit on these people. They're probably short staffed like everybody else. And the couple of people I encountered, they are short in other areas and not their fault. So, hold on. So, midgets were preparing (laughs) you? No, they, they, they were, um, lacking underqualified to work no not even that it's just they they were doing the best they could and they they had some things working against them and like i said i'm sure they were trying it might have just been that there was i I saw three human beings there and it was two young um uh people who were going to have a difficult time and uh an older hispanic lady Maybe, maybe and they cooked it might have just fresh. been the three of them, honestly. But no, so that's where it comes down to. So I get my food, and the two cheeseburgers tasted like they had been wrapped from the moment I ordered them. And they the, just couldn't get them off the window. <laughs> and bud. the spicy chicken was piping ass hot. 
like fresh out of the fryer. So you you would get the shits from an undercooked chicken though. So I'll take cold cheeseburger. Yeah, right. Day. Yeah. I mean they weren't they were edible, but yeah, you could tell they've been sitting for a bit. Um but no, I agree with you and that you know, you don't I really do my best to not be addicted. I try not to be addicted to people who are working in customer service for the most part, unless they're being rude. But if you're touching my food, I... all right. So, quick, quick story before we get into this. Uh, when we go out to eat with my significant other, I fucking her food will come out, and like my food's still back in the kitchen, and she's like, "This, this, this, this." I'm like, "Don't you fucking say a word." Until my food is sitting at this table. <laughs> right. And she's like, why? I'm like, people don't want to hear that shit. I wouldn't want to hear that shit. You know what I mean? My food comes out here and something's fucked up or there's a hair in it, this and that. They're going to offer you more food. Guess what I don't want from you now? More food. So if mine comes out and it's not what I wanted, that's fine. I'll be hungry. I don't care. Don't you dare, you know. Cheat it up for them. Oh, yeah. my God, don't you dare do that to me. And I have a good feeling the movie Waiting, that happens. I worked in a restaurant, man. I'm telling you, not happens. to that degree, but I worked in a kitchen at a restaurant, and I can tell you for a fact that, yeah, that food don't came back, dick. especially if, you know, whatever, and especially if it wasn't, I mean, there's someone that ordered, like, a, a well-done steak, and it'd come back, and they'd be like, they said this thing's not done. I'm like, it's I about to guarantee be. you it won't come back. They won't say that when it goes back out. That motherfucker is about to be burnt. That's the best piece of <laughs> so, jerky I've ever had in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, which that's sacrilegious anyway. So that's for a different day. Yeah, burning steak, burning steak, communist. <laughs> I, I was going to say something else about uh oh so yeah I'm always torn when it comes to how to react to people in those situations. Because in one sense, I'm like, you know, you're paying for this and they're not going to charge you any less if it's shitty. I mean, they may if you complain enough, but they're not going to on their own. You know, if you're just like, oh, it's okay. Like you're still going to pay full price for your stuff. They screwed up or that wasn't cooked properly. No. And to some, but I'm saying this is I'm conflicted on this. I'm not saying that it's something I believe. I mean, I'm conflicted because I'm like, you know, you paid for this. And if you don't stick up, if you don't speak up for yourself, no one's going to do it for you and but on the other hand it's like they encounter so many shitty people all day long on a daily basis that it's like the last thing i want to do is be that guy you know it's like i'll just roll with whatever happens i don't know it's tough say say if i'm at a steakhouse 75 dollars a plate okay sure i might air my grievance if i'm at chili's on the two for ten or you know, I mean, two for 20 deal and something comes out that maybe just isn't whatever. Like I said, I'll scoot that bitch to the side. I ain't eating it. You get what you pay for. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, and a lot of times those people are just working with what they have. So true. Yeah. You can't, like I said, you've been in a kitchen before. Mm-hmm. I worked at Bob Evans for a while. Shit ain't perfect. You know what I mean? No, I mean, you it do, ain't food network back there. No, you do your best with what you got. So while we're talking about kitchens, and we'll we'll get into DB Cooper, but these are some funny stories. Um, Why did you let the cat out of the bag? Nobody oh, knew we were talking about DB oh, Cooper. Oh, come on now. We'll be all right. Mystery, man. And so to food and working in kitchens. So I had a, I got a buddy 
who worked well you heard this story a few weeks ago so a buddy who worked at a restaurant and they were serving fried chicken and he opens up it's like the last case of chicken they have um and the owner was an older gentleman and he goes to the owner and he's like hey um this chicken's bad i mean because he's like it was rancid it was discolored so he's like I about vomited when i opened the case and he kind of takes whiff. he goes wash it off so he washes it in the sink soaks it or he's like soak it in salt water or something so he does that go he's it still stinks t- t- terribly so as he he gets the owner owner comes over and he goes put it through the dishwasher <laughs> so he has him put it in trays and run it through like an industrial dishwasher. You know some bitch was half cooked by the time it came <laughs> out of the dishwasher. It I love it. So it ran it through like the industrial dishwasher and fried that shit up. I and all got sold. Yeah. Every Crazy. bit of it. Um, no, I, I just, and I, one time when I was working at a restaurant, it was, I worked on Sundays a lot and uh, Monday night was wing night and we always had to, we got whole wings and I'd have to cut the wings. And it'd be like five cases of wings. I remember one time I went and grabbed. Hey, these... hey, hold on real quick. Yeah. Drums or flats, guy? Drums. Me too. Yeah. Which works out for me because my significant other, flats. So never an argument. Take them. Love it. Okay. Go ahead. So the uh, the wings, I go get them. I bring them up. And as soon as I'm not even, I open the box. They're wrapped in a plastic, big plastic bag. And immediately I can tell by the color. Hey, that sounded good. I can tell by the color that they're not good, but I know that I'm not going to be able to go like, Hey, these don't look good. I'm going to have to get in there. So I open it up and like dead body. Oh, and oh, rotting chicken is one of the worst thing you'll ever see. So I go get the owner. Uh, and he comes back and he's like, Oh no, they're fine. Whatever. And I'm like, no way. And he's like, Oh, I'll just start cutting them. I get like two or three. And I'm like, no, I go get them again. I'm like, dude, there's no way you cannot tell me that you think these are good. There's no possible way and so i mean he hadn't gotten that close to him i'm like get either, get in here you cut they're in a sink will. they're in one of them big deep well like three bay sinks yeah i go stick your face down in here and get a whiff of these things and he gets down there and he comes up and i mean his face was green he's like <laughs> he throw, uh, put it back in the box take him in the cooler I'll, we'll get credit <laughs> like i mean they were awful terrible yeah, I'm yeah, a weirdo. Feed them to the hogs, man. I'm a weirdo at home, man. If I open up meat, this happened the other day. Like meat didn't smell. Well, I Plain opened up like my wife had bought some pork chops from the store the day before, like Sunday. Yeah, Monday, I take them out of the fridge, open them up, and like they looked fine. They did not look discolored. I mean, they looked good, but uh, I just got a faint smell, and I'm kind of smelling them. I'm like, I'm just being weird because I know I'm paranoid about that stuff. And uh, so I cook them, um, cast iron on the grill or on the stove, cook them up. And I go to take them off, and I'm going to cut one up in the small pieces for uh, our son. And as I'm cutting it, I can I'm getting I'm getting whips, and I'm like, that's I mean, come on, you know if it fucking stinks well, after like it's eggs cooked, it like eggs. I can't even. Just, I just it just it smelled bad. And it's I'm smelling cast it, iron. and I'm like, I hold it up, like. Put it up to, well, no, it, it stunk a little before. I, okay. as I'm saying, I, I caught just a faint whiff, but I just assumed I was being a weirdo. Yeah, usually, eggs, bad deal. Yeah. Bad and so, go cut them, smelling them like, who? And I have my wife smelling. She's like, I don't know. So my dad, my father smells it. He's like, can I taste it? I said, go ahead, eat it. 
So he puts it in his mouth and he's yep, chewing it. He's chewing it and he he's not saying anything. So I'm like, it's got to taste weird. He fuck, he would have said something by now. And um, if it was normal, and he's like, oh, I think it's okay. So I take a piece and I go to eat it, and instantly, instantly, I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> bad. That is bad. And then I had to remember that one time, like last summer, he went to the store and got some steaks to grill. He comes out with this green T bone. It's like brown. Hey, and I'm like, hey, man, good. this thing is bad. And he goes, oh, it's just aged. I'm like, you don't buy aged steak from IGA. <laughs> like, it's not aged. It is rotten, is it what it is. Aged in the And he's cooler. like, oh, cook it. Okay. Grill that thing up. And, and I'm watching him eat it. And you can tell, like, it don't taste good. But he, that was the hill he was going to die on. He was not going to say a word. I'm like, how's that steak? He's like, oh, it's not bad. It's all right. <laughs> The more A one. <laughs> oh, I mean, so he was the wrong person to ask. Cover up this fish smell. Oh god, from my steak, surf and turf. That's where he got that day. Oh, I'm I am a weirdo, man, about food being bad. I'm paranoid about it. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to piss out of your butthole, no, that's I usually am, a good. I'm air on the side of throwing the garbage. My now, my grandma on my on my dad's side. I remember going to her place as a kid. And she, um, like, I remember getting, like, some, there was, like, a jar of salsa in her fridge. And I take it out and I open it, and there's, like, mold floating on the top. Scrape it off. Oh, yeah, she did a spoon, scoop it right out. It's all good. My mom tells stories that when she was dating my dad, and they'd be over there, and, like, some of her kids would come over, and they'd start throwing shit away out of the fridge. Because, like, this is bad. This is bad. They'd come back a couple hours later, and she'd have dug it out of the trash can and put that shit back in the fridge. Some she of, grew up in the Depression. Yeah, so. some of them older cats just a different breed. Yeah, man. I mean, she wasn't throwing They didn't have around. when they were younger. So the shit you did have, you kept regardless. Yeah. So the world probably needs a little more of that. As some, yeah. You know, in some ways. But. Oh, I would agree. I, I feel like a dick if I even go to a restaurant. I I mean, I'm paying for it. And if I don't finish, I'm like, Jesus, this is a, it's a waste. You, you, know? you know, in some countries, like, if if you don't finish everything they prepared, they're offended because they feel like you didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then in other places, if you finish it all, they're offended because they feel like they didn't offer you enough. So, yeah, yeah that would be difficult to, uh, I think this is one of those countries though. I think Americans, I don't think that people are really one way or the other. I mean, you probably more, 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 yeah, more. You've seen a lot of large marge out there, but you know what? One of, one of my pet peeves is when it comes to group meals, are you know when there's a spread and you got maybe it's a family event or a party or something when you have people when they go up for the first time and they like just pile it on with no regard for or someone else or i've seen this before you have someone who goes back for seconds before everyone has gotten a plate dick move type of deal i secretly judge them in my mind now see you know especially with holidays so like thanksgiving we had thanksgiving and regardless of who prepared that meal we both kind of shared you know but i'm a huge let the women go first right and the children when i see people like men like barging up there to get like they're starving to death i want to punch you in the throat yes let the women eat first. Let the children eat first. You'll be fine. Because usually 
the person charging the counter looks like they've been well fed. They will survive. So are you saying that women aren't capable of surviving hunger? No, I'm saying that the next time my father-in-law goes rushing at my counter before the women and children in my house have eaten, we're going to have a serious fucking issue <laughs> and the holidays will never be the same. Domestic. Ever again. Domestic. Yeah. Not, not the time to act like a child. No, I agree. Um, I, I don't think we've, I've never really felt like that at any of my family functions, truthfully. Um, it's usually not family functions where I encounter that type of thing. It's sort of, I don't know. Maybe other things occasionally. It's not something I've had happen a lot. Oh, you know where it happens a lot, actually. I probably shouldn't elaborate. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. DB Cooper time? Uh, Yeah. Time for a little pirate in the sky. Heck yeah, man. I'm fun. I'm so, uh, excited to get into another like story. In, in the very beginning, I was kind of like, the more I got into it, he's a gangster, man. I love him. He's OG. Well, you know it's screwed up. It. When a guy hijacking a plane and parachuting out of it with a bag of money sounds boring to us because he's not chopping off anyone's head right. and or more, eating more a penis. Day. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting. You know, it's maybe a little more family friendly. What's that? DB Cooper? Yeah. Yeah. A little in like, comparison. It's like a ghetto Robin Hood. Yeah. So. Well, not even really ghetto. Think about it. More like kind a, of. He didn't get that money in nobody. More like a suit and tie route. You don't know. Maybe he did. He just fucked the man. You know <laughs> what I mean? Fuck the free world, DB Cooper. So we just had the uh, wasn't it thirty or well fifty year, correct anniversary, um, week or so ago. Yeah, on Wednesday, Blackout Wednesday. I was I was sucking down a uh, can of cranberry in DB's honor. I didn't right. even know it. Just so you know, we ate the whole berry the next day. It was pretty good. Was it? I not bad. You would have choked on that fucking thing, though. I did not have any ill effects. No, I think you the... could have done five cans. <laughs> I don't know about it. I think two would have been a stretch. Honey Boo Boo set the record at four cans, so let's see if you can break it. No thanks. All right, let's kick this thing off. So Tee it up. On Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, a middle-aged man carrying a black briefcase approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines at Portland International Airport. He identified himself only as Dan Cooper and used cash to purchase a one-way ticket on flight 305, a 30-minute trip north to Seattle. Cooper boarded the aircraft, a Boeing 727, and took a seat in the rear of the plane. And once seated, Cooper ordered a drink, a bourbon and soda. So first... First disagreement with the guy. Go ahead. Bourbon and soda? Soda. Yeah, so unless they're serving 10 high whiskey on that plane, what's soda for, bud? So we also have to, and maybe we'll get into it, but I think it's worth mentioning that airports in 1971 were a whole lot cooler. Yeah, there was no TSA. There were no metal detectors. Um, You could literally just, I mean, you walked in the door, walked to your gate, and got on the plane. Right. Um, no yeah, driver's license. Boarding pass, but yeah, you just checked in with your name. They gave you your boarding pass. And, you know, your family could go with you up to the gate wherever you were going. Yeah, more like There's, a taxi service than it is now. And what's nuts, though, is a, the 70s were 
a kind of a a time where these hijackings happened a lot. There were a lot of now, but none of them were really violent. It was always people who wanted money. Usually, most of them were not forty year old white men, and there usually in wasn't suits. And but they're um, but the uh, thing is, is they were pretty. None of them were really even that violent. It was usually just people hijacking, wanting money or ransom, whatever, and that was about the extent of it. There were never they weren't crashing planes in the buildings or so it it seems blowing it seems up. like a lot of the hijackers that I I looked at when I was going through this were uh you know more of like a South American descent like and even Cuba I think had uh, some notable hijackers. So like I said, he definitely didn't fit the bill. No. And eyewitnesses described Cooper as being in his mid 40s wearing a business suit with a black tie and white shirt. Okay, so second issue I have with the man. Real quick, right off top, I made a point to remember this. Soda in his bourbon? Clip-on fucking tie. Yes. Do you think it was clip-on because he knew he was ready to jump out of a plane and maybe wanted to discard said tie? That's cool. That's cool if that's the deal. If not, you're a grown-ass man. You learn how to tie a knot. Plain and simple. So shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner, the flight attendant situated nearest him. Schaffner, assuming the note contained a lonely businessman's phone number, dropped it unopened into her purse. Cooper leaned toward her and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. And that's one thing, you know, you're kind of like, all right, he's very subtle about this. By everything I've read and listened to, He's kind of described as the gentleman hijacker. He was very polite, oh, yeah. very pleasant. He paid for all his drinks the whole time he was, even after he commandeered the plane, all right. um, was super friendly. He even attempted, I'm sure we'll maybe mention, to give money to one of the flight attendants at one point in time after oh. he got said ransom. After he pays for his next bourbon, he tries to give her the tip. She's like, no, no, you know, because they're thinking he's legit going to blow his plane up. And he's like, you know, just take the money. This is your job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, so. So Cooper opened his briefcase long enough for her to um, glimpse eight red cylinders attached to wires coated with red insulation and a large cylindrical battery. After closing the briefcase, he stated his demands, $200,000 in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, two primary and two reserve, and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. Um, that's one thing that's interesting is when trying to determine his identity is an, you you know usually if a, a U.S. citizen is going to request some sort of uh, ransom, you usually hear the term X amount of dollars in unmarked bills, right? And the fact that he used the phrase negotiable American currency uh, kind of led some people to believe that maybe, especially because where this was located at geographically, possibly he was Canadian. Could be. Um, <clears throat> now, so, suspects-wise, like of some of the ones they thought were more notable, I don't remember any of them being Canadian. No. So Schaffner conveyed... Cooper's instructions uh, to the pilots in the cockpit. Uh, when she returned, Cooper was wearing dark sunglasses because the sun never sets on a badass. Touche. I love that. Uh, one thing I did find cool, though, 
too, and this might lead to a little bit of his background, was when he requests those parachutes, he told them specifically he did not want military-style parachutes. Correct. Which would have opened immediately once he jumped out of the plane. Right. He wanted to be able to pull his own ripcord. So obviously the guy's got some knowledge of what it's going to take to jump out of the back of this fucking jet. Exactly. And do it successfully. So, uh, the captain, William A. Scott, contacted the Seattle Tacoma Airport air traffic control, which informed local and federal authorities. 35 other passengers were told their arrival in Seattle would be delayed because of a minor mechanical difficulty. The aircraft circled Puget Sound for approximately two hours to allow Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes and ransom money and to mobilize emergency personnel. So, 30-minute flight. A couple months ago, or maybe, what has it been? A couple weeks. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. You were on a plane. First flight. If they told me it's going to take 30 minutes, and now we've been doing fucking circles for two hours, my ass is going to get a little nervous. Well, what usually most mechanical difficulties require you I don't, to land somewhere. I don't fucking want to hear that at all. <laughs> right. Huge issue. But usually they would require you to land, you would imagine, not fly in a circle. Right. More bourbon, less Maybe soda. Maybe the left engine was out and only the right one, so that's all they could do is fly in a circle. Yeah. I, I would be like, hey, bud, quit lying to me. What's going on? And that's another deal is he was so discreet that nobody even realized what was happening oh it's just taking an hour and a half longer than it's supposed to not a big issue <laughs> we're only traveling 300 miles an hour so <clears throat> so i thought i was gonna say something about that but i cannot uh i cannot recall i do think like you said the the parachute thing's interesting for sure because it, it kind of le- leads again into some questions. Like, how is he familiar with how military parachutes function? Yeah. Like, was he in the military? There's some other things he references at some point in time that maybe indicates that he either possibly was involved with the military or the government yeah, or he the aviation to. industry oh, in definitely. some way. I mean, because the knowledge he had about the, even this particular plane was extensive. I, I have my own theory. When we get to the end, I kind of want... What you think, and I'll give you what I think. Right. So, flight attendant Tina Mucklow recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point, he had remarked, it looks like Tacoma down there as the aircraft aircraft flew above it. And this is at night. At least the sun had set by now. Right. So. But that's not that shocking because that's the area they were su- supposed to be in. It's not like. Yeah, but. Could you tell, you know... If I got in a plane right. and flew 30 minutes north, I would be like, oh, that's, that's Chicago. Chicago. Right. right. Right? I mean, and I've only flown over Chicago less than a handful of times. I mean, but I know the direction I'm supposed to be heading, and when I see a giant city, it's not fucking Rockford, you know? Could be Rockford. So... Schefter described him as calm, polite, and well-spoken, and not at all consistent with the stereotypes properly associated with air piracy at the time. I love that word. Piracy? Air pirate. That is awesome. It is awesome. So, D.B. Cooper is the... I'm the captain now. I love it. Uh, He wasn't nervous, Mucklow told 
investigators. He seemed rather nice. He was never cruel or nasty. He was thoughtful and calm at all times. Schaffner grasped the enormity of what was happening, and Cooper reassured her that they would all be okay. So he ordered a second bourbon and soda, paid his drink tab, and he attempted to give Mucklow the change. Um, then offered to uh, request meals for the flight crew during the stop in Seattle. Mucklow asked Cooper uh, if he had a grudge with Northwest Airlines. Cooper replied, I don't have a grudge against your airline, miss. I just have a grudge. That's what I'm saying. That's the best part. Like, he just wants to stick it to the man. You know what I mean? That's a really interesting quote because it's it's so open-ended and it lets you kind of your mind wander like a grudge right. against the government, against society, against so corporate America, whatever. Months after this happened, the Seattle police, I think, got a letter in the mail signed by D.B. Cooper, or, you know, addressed from D.B. Cooper. And it was like magazine letters cut out, posted on there. And it said, thanks for the money. This is for the revolution. D.B. Cooper. And that was it, you know, so. So the, that's another thing is the whole D.B. Cooper thing. There's, there was not a D.B. Cooper. Correct. It was Dan Cooper. There was no middle name that started with a B. We'll, it was we'll get a, to that in the end, how yeah. how it actually came out, but that's basically what stuck a, in everyone's Yeah, mind. well, it was like a mistake in how it was reported or something, right? I mean, Right, and there was some poor bastard named D.B. Cooper living <laughs> in Seattle, and they're like fucking hammering on his door like, no, it wasn't me, bud. So at 5.40 p.m., uh, Cooper was informed that his demands had been met. More than an hour after sunset, the aircraft landed at SeaTac Airport. Cooper instructed Scott to, Scott being the pilot, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Instructed Scott to taxi, uh, taxi the jet to an isolated, brightly lit section of the apron and close all window shades in the cabin to deter police snipers. Once the delivery was completed, Cooper allowed all passengers, Schaffner and senior flight attendant Alice Hancock, to leave the plane. So, that just that right there, okay? If I were to hijack a plane, I, I'm not even sure I would think enough to say, hey, brightly, let's, let's get this joker out brightly lit so I can see, and then let's close all these windows so they can't shoot me in the head. You know what I mean? Right. You, you got to be thinking in your mind, man. This shit could go south right now. And just storm the plane or what? I mean, now I think if you, especially once the they let the passengers and stuff off, I mean, you'd think they'd have a, a SWAT team on that plane in seconds. Right. But, you know, maybe they're thinking all this is going to take is this guy just to get a little nervous and boom, now we have 30-plus dead bodies on our hands. So, And I guess at the time, which you, you didn't have sort of some of the things that we've had in our lifetime happen so you're you're thinking maybe there's a way that this ends okay right which which is funny though i say that that maybe in the back of their mind they want to uh protect those people on the plane but out of the four parachutes they give cooper one of them is a dummy chute so they end up getting the parachutes from like a skydiving yeah 
place close because like i said at first they're like well we'll get them from the air force base and he's like no i don't want those and the but he was a genius though to request multiple parachutes because if he just asked for one parachute they could have rigged it just saying okay well he's gonna jump it's not gonna deploy and he's dead but uh, a different thing i had heard of was so he requests four and once everybody leaves, that's basically who's left on the plane. You had the pilot, flight engineer, and one flight attendant, and him. So if I'm the police, he's requested four parachutes. There are four people left on the plane. Why in the hell would I give him a dummy shoot? I think it was I just an killed, accident. I just killed somebody. I think it was an accident. Could be, you know. Because I, I think they had to have that in their mind. I think that my perception of it is... He asked for essentially par- enough parachutes for two people, right? Yeah, because um, they're fronts and backs. One, but one good, you know, two mains and two reserves. Right. For the reason, though, that they couldn't fuck with them because they wouldn't know if it's going to be his parachute or if they were going to put an innocent person in that you know, parachute. Yeah, to their right. death. So I think it was kind of genius. Anybody to do that? Anybody draws that dummy shoot? Not right. turning out so well. So. Um, which he didn't take the dummy shoot. Interesting yeah. enough, right? Right, he chopped her up. So, but I don't know if he even realized it was a. I don't a know, dummy man. shoot. Hey, let's ask him. Yeah. I think he'd be like ninety something now if he's still alive. You know what? We had the one guy call in. Why couldn't DB called in? I don't we know. Could work something out. Maybe he's in the the woods of the northwest. With a Sasquatch touching his ween. <laughs> poison ivy all over the satch. So at approximately 7.40 p.m., the Boeing 727 took off with only Cooper, Captain Scott, and the flight attendant, Mucklow, and flight engineer, Harold E. Anderson, on board. Two F-106 fighter aircraft from McCord Air Force Base followed behind the airliner. One above it and one below out of Cooper's view. Cooper outlined his flight plan uh, to the cockpit crew, a southeast course toward Mexico City. Um, After takeoff, Cooper picked up his briefcase and told Mucklow to show him how to open uh, the door of the aft staircase. So these planes had a staircase that would deploy basically below the tail, Um, as opposed to, you know, see some that have... You know, a door near the rear, uh, you know, there maybe a door towards the front, door towards the rear. But this was literally at the back of the plane and opened below the tail of the plane. Now, he also tried to convince them to take off with the aft staircase down, and like, they told him no. Can't happen. And he's like, no, this plane most definitely can do it. Right. And um, we'll get into maybe the uh, the, the switch it became a thing after all this uh, because of him. Uh, the, it was fashioned to go on the aft staircase of this. I did not know plane. that. Yeah. So this will be- so remind me, and we'll, we'll talk about it. So <clears throat> he then told her to uh, join the rest of the crew in the cockpit and remain there with the uh, door closed as she, as she com- and she complied. Uh, Mucklow observed Cooper tying something, possibly the money bag, around his waist. At approximately 8 p.m., a warning light flashed in the cockpit. 
indicating that the aft staircase apparatus had been activated. The pilots asked on the cabin intercom if Cooper needed assistance. Cooper picked up the cabin phone and replied, no. This was the last message heard from Cooper. And at approximately 10.15 p.m., the 727 landed with the aft staircase still deployed at Reno Airport. FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff's deputies, and the Reno police surrounded the jet um, as it had not yet been determined with certainty that Cooper was no longer aboard. But an armed search quickly confirmed his absence. So when he first told them he wanted to fly to Mexico, the captain says, you know, we don't have fuel capacity to make it to Mexico City. So he agreed to land in Nevada and that they would refuel and make the rest of the trip. So he must have immediately in his mind known, hey, we're leaving now. You know, we're never making it to Nevada. Right. And that's one thing, I guess, as I heard this, I never considered that fact is, and I never knew that initially, it was that he you know, plot a course for Mexico city. And so it must have caught the crew off guard that he decided he was going to jump off the plane. Unless he was smart enough to know that it wouldn't make it to Mexico. Right. And that, that was just, he had, well, I think he had to have known that they were going to have to refuel at some point. Well, they, they refueled when they stopped the first time. And, um, another fun fact is, when the way they have a an idea of when he jumped out of the plane is because when he did, the plane bounced. Like him leaving the plane caused yes, lost the pressure. That well, no, I'm saying like like his weight leaving the plane caused the tail, yeah, to rise slightly. And um, they recreated this to try to you know determine whatever and had someone you know jump out of the plane, same sort of you know, speed, all that. And yeah, it, the plane gave the little lift. And so that's kind of one way they, cre- you know, sort of created whatever perimeter they thought there was a chance that he could have right, landed because it. Because their, their radar, their technology back then, way different than, you know, what they deal with today. So, and he was, um, he was super familiar with the plane. Like he was very familiar with, this aft staircase he was very familiar with he he told the the pilot um you need to fly at this specific speed at under 10,000 10, feet at this speed and he knew he knew how slow the plane could go and still stay in the air and he's like i want you to put the flaps at like 15 degrees and i mean all the i mean right, he right. had very specific instructions landing gear down for yeah landing gear down the whole time like very specific instructions on how the plane was to be operated and either i mean they didn't have the internet then right where any tom dick and harry could get on and google the ins and outs of a it boeing 727 me, it kind of reminds me of uh that uh scene in airplane Bro boy hops in to fly, you know, he was a pilot in Vietnam or whatever. He's just sweating his dick off. And I imagine that's how that pilot's like, I've never flown with the air case down. Definitely <laughs> right. I've flown with the landing gear down. Right. Why are we doing 120 miles an hour? But I think they said it was more like 200 miles an hour by the time he had finally decided to take the jump. I thought they were so slow. I mean, because 
His well, thing is it was slow. slow. As slow as it could go. It wasn't not. going 80. But it was like as slow as it could go and still stay. Which would be what? In the air. Gotta be I don't know, man. I thought it was the low 100s somewhere. Or mid 100s, maybe. Fuck, I'd do that in my pickup truck. Oh, well, you jump out. Just get you some wings, man. I don't know. I, I don't remember what it was that was said. So no, You don't get much truth here. No, no. I mean, yeah, if you're coming here for These your facts. facts. No. Um. Yeah, the only there's there's no truth, and uh, there might be a little crime. Beer's cold. We do have that. So we do have cold beer. Well, as cold as they'll stay on the table until I drink them, anyways. So, moving on, FBI agents recovered sixty six unidentified uh, latent fingerprints aboard the airliner. The agents also found Cooper's black clip-on tie. Um, his tie clip and two of the four parachutes, one of which had been opened and two shroud lines cut from the canopy. And that's that's what they talked about him possibly making a money bag out of because he was pissed. He asked them to bring uh, that money in like a... Knapsack. A, yeah, satchel, something he could throw on his back. And they gave it to him in 20s as well. So... Yeah, stacks of 20s. Yeah, $200,000 in 20s. I mean, that's a lot so of coins. They, so. What they did, they did take pictures of every serial number. They did have that information of the bills. And to, I, I don't know, to this day or whatever, none of those serial numbers had ever been found in circulation. Right. Now, who knows how, I mean, because literally, like, they, they just sent, they sent well, they sent out, you know, these serial numbers to, you know, major financial institutions. But are you telling me like every twenty dollar bill that comes through the door, they're gonna be like, Well, let me compare this to my list of right. you know, thousands of twenty dollar bill serial numbers in a way. No. So those cats don't wanna make money disappear anyway, so and themselves. Touche. So uh local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects. One poor bastard was an Oregon man with a minor police record named D.B. Cooper. He was contacted by the Portland police on the off chance that the hijacker had used his real name or the same alias in a previous crime. He was quick, quickly ruled out as a suspect, but a local reporter named James Long rushed to meet immediate deadline, confused the eliminated suspect's name with the pseudonym used by the hijacker, which was Dan Cooper. Yes, and Joe Frazier of the Associated Press republished the air, followed by numerous other media sources. As a result, D.B. Cooper became the most widely remembered pseudonym. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure up until, you know, reading through a lot of this, I ever remember the name Dan Cooper. No, I mean, I, I didn't even know that was a thing, and yeah, until right. doing some of this research. Um, a per- a precise search area was difficult to define as even small differences in estimates of the aircraft speed or the environmental conditions along the flight path changed Cooper's projected landing spot considerably. I mean, it was a rainy, windy, stormy night. Uh, so the winds could have taken him whatever direction. And that's also why there's some people that speculate or that you know, the police were like, there's no way you survive this it. jump. Right. But, I think that sometimes certain law enforcement agencies are quick to say that 
because it sort of lets them off the hook in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's not that, hey, we can't find this guy. It's a, there's no way this dude survived this. Search over. He's dead. They did find uh, a couple stacks of those bills, yeah. It's coming. So an important, very, an important variable was the length of time he remained in free fall before pulling his ripcord, if indeed he succeeded in opening a parachute at all. Neither of the Air Force fighter pilots saw anything exit the airliner, um, either visually or on radar, nor did they see a parachute open. But at night, with extremely limited visibility and cloud cover obscuring any ground lighting below, an airborne black-clad human figure could easily have gone undetected. Yeah, which, that's kind of what I thought. So, they talked about McCord Air Force Base earlier. You think as soon as they know there's a plane that's been hijacked, we're watching your ass on radar from now on, that they would pick up something leaving that plane. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know how sophisticated radar was in the seventies, and I think that there is a a you can get. You figure it would at least pick up mass leaving a plane. That could be a weapon. You know what I mean? Some bombs aren't missiles; they're just dropped out the back. Whether it weighs a hundred pounds or five hundred right. pounds, and I'm not familiar with. I'm not very familiar with radar and how it works, but I know, I know that there's a a certain point where you can be below the radar. I, or at least there used to be out maybe anymore it's so sophisticated that's not the case yeah i i think the ten thousand feet thing was more of a m issue much higher than that i'm not sure how his body would react true and but i wonder though if it was you know i don't know how stormy it was but maybe the rain and the clouds and maybe that fucks with the radar too i don't know i mean db cooper definitely smarter than we are apparently so. and dan cooper so initial guesstimations placed Cooper's landing zone within an area um, on the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens, a few miles southeast of Ariel, Washington, uh, near Lake Merwin and Artificial Lake uh, formed by a dam on the Lewis River. So other than D.B. Cooper, that's basically the only thing they're famous for is this, uh, this lake setting and being closely uh related to mount st helens right which a lot of people believe if there were Any anything remains, left to be found it was covered in ash yeah it would have been yeah taken care of by the eruption of mount st helens it happened when uh was it late 70s early 80s early 80s yeah um so since 2011 ariel has hosted db cooper days a festival celebrating the local Oh, I want to go to fucking DB Cooper days. Touche. They which, probably all you think they probably all dress up in their suits and glasses and briefcases, right? Which, you know, I'm sure there's cops out there like you know fuck DB Cooper, but you know what? Fuck you. DB Cooper didn't. Hurt he didn't nobody. hurt anybody. No, he didn't he hurt a soul. Took some money for some rich corporation. You know what I mean? That money didn't come from the people. No, no, he didn't hurt a soul. The airline got paid back. So, no, nope, absolutely. Yeah, I'm Team DB. Touche. On uh, February 10th, 1980, an eight-year-old by the name of Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River, about 20 miles southwest of Ariel. He uncovered three packets of the ransom money as he raked through a sandy riverbank to build a campfire. Most of the bills were disintegrated, but still bundled in rubber bands. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom and two packets of $120 bills each and a third packet of 90 
all arranged in the same order as they were given to Cooper. Ingram sold 15 of these bills at auction in 2008 for $37,000. That's awesome. Uh, uh, to date, none of, the, none of the 9,710 remaining bills have ever turned up. And the Columbia River ransom money, the air stair instruction placard that they had found in the woods, and his, you know, tie and clip were basically the only evidence ever found. So there were cigarette butts on the plane, I believe. Yeah, he left eight of them. And those would have, with DNA analysis now, those would have identified who it was, but they got lost. They got lost. And what about the glasses he drank his bourbon from? That's a, but I don't know. It then bodes the question how how thoroughly, you know, how thoroughly do you have to wash something to remove DNA? You know what I mean from one person to the next to like I, I don't know what that answer is, but because I guess I'm not sure the, I would want to know the answer. No, I don't either. On the airplane, so the um his tie. There's DNA on the tie, but they can't definitively say that because I mean there was all kinds of weird traces of different metals metals and stuff like that so it could be a tie that was worn at work and got what i mean there's so many just unknown variables that it'd be nearly impossible to take that and trace it back to somebody do you do you think db cooper made the jump like survived yeah oh man I, i tell you what I think that it's probably he'll maybe I think there's a 50/50 chance he made it to the ground. Um uh, even, how, how did that money get buried? I just think time are the other 50. Uh I I think time maybe yeah. buried the money. Uh I think that he you know if he landed, he either you know maybe if he landed severely injured um, there's a lot of wildlife, man, in that area of the country. Bears and shit like that. Even if he died, you, what, know, you don't find you remains. Saying D.B. Cooper ain't packing a blade. You ain't taking care of a bear with a blade. Ah, no way. Gangster. That's one thing. And He's I, a gangster, bud. I I don't know. I think it's it's probably a fifty fifty at best chance that he survived the jump at all. One one thing I did find out while researching this is our money disintegrates faster than we think i know i've seen my bank account <laughs> no. i mean like in the elements you know people said that if that money was just left out in the woods somewhere she gone you know basically what was found in the 80s is all there ever will be found then um their, their shelf life was like six or seven years i think is what they said even the rough area where they think he likely would have landed, you would have had a, cause his, there was something like his shoes. I, I don't know how they knew this. Maybe they found, they found shoes or if he, but he was likely shoeless at the point he made it to the ground. And so you're going to tell me a shoeless man is going to walk through the wilderness in the dark to, find a hard road 
that he can take back to civilization or wherever. Uh, I mean, even if he had somebody planned to meet him. Jesus, uh, Jesus walked through the desert for 20 days and 20 nights shoeless. So you're saying DB walked through the wilderness of the, the Northwest. That's right. Shoeless. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but I, gosh, it just seems so crazy that you wouldn't, I mean, the people would have no idea. But then again, you think about that time. I was thinking about this at the beginning when we were kind of rattling through, you know, the intro. There were a lot. The 70s sound like a really fucking wild time. And not in the way everyone thinks, but this is like a lot of these serial killers were thriving through that time period. Um, you know, you got D.B. Cooper's shit. robbing banks in the middle of the sky. D.B. Cooper's awesome. jumping on airplanes with uh, $200,000 uh, to Stuff down his never pants. be found. Um, just a little wild stuff happened in the seventies. And, and I don't know if like technologies curb some of that stuff where it's so easy to like to disprove things or right. whatever. Yeah. But, uh, the, uh, the, the door thing. So these planes continued to exist. That sounds so good, man. There's, there's more air. And those than like a normal nitrogen. Beer, nitrogen. Listen, you hear that listen. nitrogen escape? Yeah, you got the little ball in like a paint can. Yeah, oh boy. Um. So these planes remained in existence with the aft staircase. These Boeing seven Boeing seven twenty sevens, and they created a a switch, or it was a spring loaded switch that once the plane took off, the airflow would push this wedge over the seam of the door so that it could not be opened Until during it. during flight. Right. But once it landed and the airflow stopped, the spring would pull the switch back naturally so that it could be opened in the case of an emergency after landing or whatever the case may be. Um, and they called it, you know, the DB switch, the Cooper. This, they, there was all kinds of goofy names for what it. What if those people legit had to jump out of that fucking plane, though? What'd you do? That's not the only way out, though. Okay. It was just That's a cool way. Though. Sure. Um, but these, the, the, the people always say this jump was some crazy jump. It's not. Like, you can go. There's places, in uh, maybe other places in the Northwest where you can go to these places, and they have, the, they have the D.B. Cooper jump, that you literally jump off the aft staircase of one of these planes. Like, it's literally the same exact. Now, I'm sure they're not doing it in the middle of the night during a, a, a thunderstorm. Be a lot cooler but, if they did, right? And honestly, I think that was probably his biggest, uh, the biggest thing against him was the weather. What that he that, that would have that would have caused him problems was the weather. I think the weather is what helped him get away. Maybe to be under, but shit, man. Even if you know you're still ten thousand feet in the air, the wind could even if it's not raining and it's daylight. You still gonna have? I mean, you're gonna tell me those pilots are gonna be able to pinpoint where you're. I mean, that's still a real he, broad area. He had a two-hour and fifteen-minute head start. Right. Those pilots followed them all the way to Reno. He's gone. He's on the ground. I think. I think he made it out. So, any of the theories on who it could be? Are there any of them that stick with you, or you're like, oh, it's definitely. Good chance so, it's that guy. There's a couple. One guy was a prime suspect. I can't remember his name. There's uh, wanted posters of him and D.B. Cooper's, you know, uh, drawing. 
and they look very similar. But he ended up dying like maybe five years after this during a hijacking. Really? Another plane. So, so I guess I, there are some weird. I just don't think the way he went down this first time that he would have went back. Not that $200,000 that you would have lived comfortably, but I feel like whatever grudge he may have had, he kind of buried are, the hatchet on that deal. So, are there any interviews with other people that were on this plane? That like tell their like their version of what happened uh, or describe him. There are some with the flight attendants, really, like Mucklow and Schaffner. Just curious, just from back because I guess day, the passengers obviously. probably had no, no idea. They what didn't was even happening. know he's there. Fly on the wall. But that's, that's what I'm saying. That he's, he's a cool character, man. You know, he did it. He never really endangered anybody's life. I really believe that fucking briefcase. Those are probably just suit cans. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was the there was uh, the thing I listened to. There was some talk about that, and I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it was just a speculation. Do you think it was a real bomb or not? Because why would the fuck would you jump out of that plane with a real bomb? Why? Well, that's what I'm saying. You took it with them. Like, you right. know, why would you take it with you? Um, if it was real, why would you just leave that fucker behind? You know, that's a lot of shit that can go wrong in that ten thousand exactly. feet. Right. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I don't know if I'd want so, to take that risk. Back to my theory. I think he was actually an employee of the Northwest Orient. And that's why he treated them so favorably. I think they may have even known who it was. And aren't saying? And aren't saying. That'd be a fascinating uh, point of view. Like you, you, As in that, maybe that's why they were so cooperative. Yeah. And maybe that's why they, they paint him in such a positive light. Yeah, I mean, even, yeah, just maybe they're not so much in on it, but. Once they realized what was happening, though, they they didn't put yeah, up much. We're just going with the resistance. Maybe so. That's that's a one uh, perspective I haven't heard. I don't know. I think that uh, there's just probably a good chance that he didn't survive the jump. I think it'd be cool, you know, the story of if he did. But I also heard that there, like, there wasn't like a statute of limitations on this, so that even if he, a couple of the things that he would be charged with, that even if he came out today and is like ninety eight years old or whatever he'd be, and said, "Hey, it was me," he could technically still be uh, oh. prosecuted. Yeah, you think the government forgets about money? <laughs> you know how I advertised this thing earlier was. You think the world's most notorious criminal is from washington dc but unfortunately he's from washington state yeah they ain't gonna forget no and that's what's uh that's what's so interesting is uh, and you talk about that it goes down a whole new rabbit hole of the types of crimes that seem to be not as important to the government as others oh you're talking about the Ghislaine Maxwell. No, case. no, I'm not I'm really talking about that. No, I just mean in general. No, that's a whole another rabbit hole too. That yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, so we'll what's see how saying? that thing plays the out. I'm just saying, like you said, the government money, cares money. about their money, their money, or things that they perceive that make them look bad in some way, shape, or form. You know, they'll get goofy about that shit. But yeah, yeah, some of this other stuff. You harm just, nah. endangered children. Ah, eh, fuck it, not a big issue. Well, no, I mean, look at it. I mean, it, they're 
any you know whatever americans killing americans it it's just listen we're going down the child road right now real quick the child road yeah don't make it sound like that <laughs> you're the one that said child road i don't know what you're talking about i don't know how many catholic priests the government is still chasing down actively looking for but some asshole stole two hundred thousand dollars fifty years ago, right. and they fucking want to talk to him. You know what I mean? Right. That's an issue. Yeah, I, I that two hundred thousand dollars wiped clean. You know what I mean? Well, and and that's just it. Money, money really is the what makes the world go round. Uh, either you know, if you got it, you got the power, and if you took it from you took it from the government, well, they're gonna come get it. But right, uh, you know, I think that's why you see these powerful people that have done terrible things be able to basically skate by is because they got the money so um, now i know you're back to talking about that case because well, that one is there yeah. is so many people that are implemented in that fucking case it just blows and my that's mind. and that's a case of not just money but like more so they leave these people alone or have attempted to because they're the ones that got out of the dirt Oh, for sure. You know? um, yeah, there ain't no way that dude killed himself. Not a chance. No. No way. And to be honest, I hope the rest of these people that have been indicted, I hope they didn't kill themselves either. <laughs> that would make my day. I would. If, if I they had any I would part like, in it. I, oh, I, I don't disagree that that should be their fate, but I, I would like to hear, you know, the truth or some answers come out. I, I think... Now, granted, will it ever happen? I don't know. Um, obviously, they didn't have any issues hey, silencing listen, him. Listen, that plane's fucking called the Lolita Express. Okay, there ain't no good fucking stories on. That I'm plane. not saying no. I didn't say that at all. I'm just talking about. And I don't care who was on it. Right. I'm just saying. I I want the. I would love nothing more than the lid to be blown off that whole thing. But I don't if, think it'll. If there's there's, there's anything, too many. There's, there's too many. Anything, I feel like people in general could come together on this is one mm-hmm. you know what i mean but the problem is man all those people and the people being indicted they're the people with the power they're the people with the money that's unfortunate people like that die all the time from unexpected <laughs> things yeah. so yeah by each other yeah that's, that's what fine. It, that's what Pick it is each other I mean, off. I don't from care. each other but unfortunately for most of them you're gonna have to pay for it someday so pay now pay in flesh That'll be a good story probably to get into someday. I don't know. I shouldn't say good, but just to kind of break that whole thing down. Oh, God. You watch that Netflix. Oh, God damn. It's bad. It is. It's nuts, man. We we talked about his egg-shaped penis before, but it's just, (laughs) I don't know. It's just unfathomable that some of these things can go on and just be... Even this with the serial killer stuff, that it just happens and people right. are fucking oblivious. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say some politically incorrect shit right now. Okay, so let's do it. We're at the end. We're fucking the laptops end. closed. Let's do it. You had millions of dollars at your disposal. You could have slept with any fucking woman, basically that you wanted to. Supermodel. You know what I mean? You chose children. Yeah the fuck is your problem well, obviously mentally fucking warped uh I, it's no different than now no different than serial killers you know it, it's a they have a mental illness 
I mean, not. I'm not saying that's in a justifying manner. I'm just saying that they there is a a disconnect in their brain. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a hard stance. Pedophiles with this mental illness you speak of, I know there's a cure. But <laughs> I know there's my a point cure. is this. My point is this that there's something that make it. There is a like to you, to me, to most people, it's unfathomable. To them, it obviously isn't. So, like, to the normal person, it is not normal to do those sort of things. So, like, there's obviously, like, you, you could not have a normal functioning brain and carry out those sorts of atrocities. Okay, so... you, you There has cool. to be something fucking out of whack in your brain to lead you to that point in time. Okay, so the vaccine... Not as... Not listen, as, the vaccine that will cure this illness... Nine millimeters at a time. I mean, I I feel like it's really simple. I don't give a fuck how much money you get. No, right. I if I you don't harm either. children, to be honest, you you could rape and kill as many people as you want. I really don't care. Children, though, that's a soft spot. Yeah, I don't like it. I they, don't either. They they can't defend themselves. I, Not saying that some. 80 year old woman, you know, whatever the case may be, you know what I mean? But the children, the innocent the most thing, innocent form of Fuck, life. We've talked about it. Yep. Oh, nope. this, this is going to go south. This no, is going to go south. Real fast. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. Truthfully, it's the most innocent form of life. And you've robbed that individual of everything before they even had a chance to experience anything. What it was. And yeah. so, um, no, that's that. There's no excuse for it, and like like you said, there's only there's we'll only be in one. Hell. We'll be in hell someday, but I hope they save like the deepest, darkest pits for these assholes. So speaking speaking of hell, I stumbled across something, and I think this is something we should talk about sometime. It's just I find it more fascinating than anything is, and I've I've heard several different perspectives that sort of agree on the concept and some of them are people who've had like uh near-death experience yeah or yeah. died and came back but then other ones are people that are telling stories of you know about their about children and it's this whole this idea that like we are a soul that's in a body and it, it, it's sort of like your soul never dies. So like your body dies and you know, almost like reincarnation style that, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, some of the stories were of the Hindus, about like, well, children, like you know, people talking about how their kids will say wild things about, a past like, life. about, Hey, this is like, there's some story about like some kid and he's like, Hey, this, uh, he had to have like a wild birthmark on his face. And uh, turns out he was like, murdered and like led the police like this is where i'm buried and they dig up this body of a face that was like splitting with an axe down yeah. the middle you know or something and like this is where the axe is buried it takes you know this like they, wild stuff like they, that they do say i mean there's like an old wives tale about birthmarks and maybe that's how you you know right died in a past life or, or something whatever, where so. yeah i mean just like different stories about them talking about you were, you know, the kids will say things about they were such and such person or whatever person. And, uh, it's just, no, totally I, wild. I'm, I'm they say by around it. like five or six years old, like your memory, you lose all that, those memories of whatever. And that's, 
I am all for bringing up souls on the Bub Dime podcast. I think it'd be something. There, there is a little research, and I can't remember what the like the actual. It's like twenty some grams, twenty seven grams, or whatever. It's like when a person passes before they pass and after they pass. That's basically the weight of if you believe that you have a spirit or a soul, you know, that is what is missing once you pass. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, I think about that sometimes though, because you meet different people and you, you always hear people say like, Oh, they're an old soul. And I've encountered people where I'm like, you know, yeah, you can, it's like, it's almost like if you met someone that's like had a lot of life experience or hasn't, but when you meet like young people and you're like, you know, they seem damn son, you wise something. beyond their years, sort of yeah. thing, or like like they get it a little more than other people might. You know, it's like, and I think that because I'm like, you know, there's times I'm like, I feel like I'm probably, if we're going down this road, I'm like, I feel like I'm probably a younger soul, like I I ain't ran this race too many times, type of thing. Um, a few. So but you're saying your soul's only been through twice. I don't know. I don't know how many times. Two, <laughs> I'm just saying, but like it's conferences. Used, I, 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 yeah, it just seems like I feel like, you know, it's uh, compared to maybe some people I meet that I would consider to be like an old soul for sure. I feel like maybe I'm, I would be on the younger end of that spectrum. But it's kind of weird to think about that. But it's also kind of in a strange way, almost comforting to think of like, even though you maybe aren't going to be aware of it consciously that, you know, Hey, this is you get to run this maybe back. Get another shot. <laughs> get to run this back at some point in time or whatever, you know, but I'm not sure I'd change much. No, but not the same one. I mean, you're going to come back and be something totally different or your soul will move on and become, that's what I'm saying. You're not the same person over and over again. Like are you saying my next life, I could have tits. You could your next life. That's, that's something I should I, look into. I'd never, I never leave do, my room. Do males so. always come back as males? Females always come back as females or the non-binary always come back as non-binary. Oh boy. Hey, we have a small, we have a small segment of our listener base. Less than 1%. Less than 1% non-binary. It's crazy. It's not 0%. It's close. <laughs> Real goddamn close. The one non-binary person out there. All right, let's get out of here before we get ourselves in trouble. So, speaking of souls, just so everybody knows, pub time goes to hell next week. Keep that in mind, everybody. Yeah, my beer's about empty. Wait, do this? You got an outro for us? What's that? You got an outro over there, dubbed up? Hold I on, think not so. Yet. If I hit the right button, we'll see. All right. God damn it. All right, everybody. Here's to those who wish us well. All the rest can go to hell. Fuck you, Portland Police Department. <laughs> that money's mine. Good night, everybody. Silent and profiling.